0: Today's sponsor is The Optimist, one of my favorite places to shop for men's clothes. You can get a discount if you said I sent you. When you go to The Optimist, the store feels like you're hanging out in someone's living room with your friends. The discount code is DANNY20 for a 20% discount. You could also go into their store at the platform in Culver City or their pop-up on Beverly Drive in Beverly Hills. Otherwise, go online to The Optimus. And uh, you get 20% off some of the coolest curated clothes from all over the planet. These guys get the hippest, the hippest stuff, and the best quality at the best prices. So the new Beverly Hills pop up store is open in January at 352 North Beverly Drive. Both shops are open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily. You can always go to the website at theoptimistla.com or find them on Instagram at theoptimist_la. Hey, welcome to The Deal with Danny Brown. Today's guest, special, special buddy of mine, Del Alexander. He's a coach at the University of Notre Dame. Played like a champion. Dell and I go way back, middle school, high school. We played ball together. Uh, incredible, articulate guy, leader of men. He's coached at Arizona State and Wisconsin and UNLV, and now he's at Notre Dame. And uh, this is an incredible story. Talks about... What it's like to really be a coach, the time commitments, and what they're really trying to teach these young men and the life lessons. So I'm glad we finally got to do it. I felt bad they just got beat by Clemson. I was hoping that we'd be talking about a national championship, but we'll save that for next year. You can find Dell Alexander on Instagram at DAlex. 3333. Three, three, three. That's D A L E X 3333. Three, three. You can also find them on the University of Notre Dame. You can find us at The Deal Pod on Instagram or TheDealPod.com. Send us a, a message. We'll always get back to you. If you like what you hear, please tell someone that you work with or someone you're friends with. Share it and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts and a five star review if that's what you feel we should deserve. Anyway, thanks a lot. Check this out. Dell Alexander welcome to the deal good to see you from live from Notre Dame how are you brother
1: great man great ready for this uh snowstorm that's about to show up here tomorrow
0: yeah I was gonna ask you I was hoping you were gonna show show me your championship ring but that didn't work out so well with Clemson what the heck happened you promised me a W I, I, I promised that
1: I didn't come through you know Clemson's a good team Alabama's even better
0: yeah, I think Alabama made it clear that they were the team to beat. I mean, it was it was a no doubt blowout. But man, you guys had a great run, a great season. Dell is the um, wide receivers coach at the University of Notre Dame. Play like a champion. He's also a longtime friend of mine. We went to middle school and high school together and played together. So welcome to the show. I want to get into the story. Uh, of how you got into coaching and how you got into sports, but give us why don't we go back to the beginning. You grew up in LA. Uh, tell us about growing up and you have siblings and how'd you get act, how'd you get activated into sports at a young age.
1: Right. Um, obviously, growing up uh, in, in South Central LA, uh, the only way that the two of us was able to meet was the the big yellow bus that took me from uh, right. South Central to the West Side of LA. Bussing.
0: Uh, that was busing in the 1970s. They started yes, integrating the schools. Kids from South Central, Watts, and East L.A. went to schools with kids from Beverly Hills, Westwood, Bel Air. And, you know, yeah, that's how a lot of us met at a young age.
1: Absolutely. So, um, you know, taking that bus ride from East to West, uh, there's, there's a lot of stops in between. And, and I think those are the things that, that helped me along uh, my journey, you know, to, to be able to to grow up in South Central and 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 develop a, a heart of steel, uh, but a gracious and humble heart at the same time is uh, is an, it's an amazing story, you know. Uh, but you know, I was able to grow up there with my brother, my mother, uh, single parent home, and uh, you know, just kind of grind, you know, just kind of grind and and figure things out as we as as the days went by, uh, without you know without not a lot of knowledge of uh of why you were doing things but you were just doing it day to day um that part was tough
0: yeah so i think most people know by now but growing up in south central in the 70s 80s and 90s was a war zone and a very different experience than you know me and a lot of our other friends that grew up west of the 405 in you know upper middle class homes so you know you grew up with gangs and shootings and drive-bys and single parent homes and a lot of obstacles just to get on the bus to go to school there's obstacles but why don't you kind of tell me a little bit about what got you on the track to sports was it your your siblings your your parents your friends like how did you stay out of trouble and get on the track to to start playing sports and start going in that direction
1: right I I think that the the early part of it is, is, uh, is, is a tough story because, you know, before high school, there wasn't a lot of sports. You know, we didn't, we didn't invest in sports. We didn't invest in the gear, the equipment. We didn't invest in the, the cost that it took to sign up. Um, so it wasn't until I got to high school, middle school, that I really had a chance to focus on sports because it was free. But um, so I got to high school and I started to learn a little bit. I started to grow a little bit. Uh, and in high school, you know, developing those relationships and and really just saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to spend and invest more of my time here on campus, here at the high school, than I am going back home and doing almost nothing.
0: Right. So you had the wisdom and the insight to, to make the most of the opportunity. And uh, as I recall, and you'll re- remember, you'll uh You'll remind me. I mean, you were a track athlete at first in high school. You weren't You weren't playing football. You were just a blazing af, blazing fast athlete running track. And then late, was it your senior year, your first year you ever played football? No, no.
1: I, I kind of hovered around, you know, uh, what was it, the, the, the sophomore and freshman yeah. class of football. You know, I ran track. I played basketball. But I didn't just jump right into the varsity scene. Because I didn't you know, I mean, I didn't have what it took. I didn't have the IQ. I didn't have the physical attributes. I didn't know who I was at that time. So I was just scratching the surface as a freshman and a sophomore. And then there around the, the junior senior year is when I started to, to develop a little bit more edge and say, you know what, I can play this game at a high level. Yeah, so it was clear your
0: senior year, and I I remember it being new to you, but I think maybe it was just you were new to me being a football player, and the reality was, wow, you had some serious skills and talent, and it was like, whoa, this guy can play. Now, after high school, you went on to junior college at West L.A., and were you doing track and football from junior college yeah. on, so take yeah. us through your progression I'll... from high school to J.C. to USC because we reconnected on campus again at USC when I was playing baseball and you were playing football. But won't you walk me through that progression?
1: Yeah, so so after uh, high school, I went to West LA Junior College. You know, I was there really just to run track. I had the most success uh, as an athlete in track at high in high school. So I went to West L.A. and I said, you know what, I'm just going to run track and and see where that takes me. Um, Well, there's not a lot of track scholarships. So I said, okay, I'm going back on the football field and I'm going to play wide receiver and see if I can get me a scholarship there. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. You know, I played uh, football. I ran track at West L.A. And before you
0: know it, I was at S.C., And there you go. It was a good time to be at SC. Talk to me a little bit about the team back then. That was 94, 93, 94, 95. We had some good teams.
1: Yeah, yeah. We, uh, you know, I've been fortunate and blessed to be a part of some really great teams. And it started off there at SC, you know, going to three straight straight bowl games, you know, going to the Rose Bowl, being around some of the the best in college football, you know, some Hall of Fame type guys in the NFL. Um, So, you know, the, the 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 stage there set me up for you know where I am today you know being around those guys listening learning and growing was was uh, an important part of, of who I am today.
0: Yeah. Now if you could put yourself back on campus at SC, did you have the the interest or the know-how, or the, you know, did you think about coaching or being in football as your career after graduating? Was that already a thought on your mind, or when did that when did that uh, idea come to you in terms of like, oh wait, this is something I want to pursue even after I'm done playing? Um,
1: it wasn't something that I wanted to jump right into because I had no clue. Um, again, the the start and the finish are are two totally different stories. So right. you know, you play football you're at SC, you're thinking about what you're going to do next, and, and coaching is is not what you're thinking about. You're thinking about, you know, being a, a teacher. You're thinking about being a principal. Um, those were kind of the things that were on my mind, and it wasn't until Mike Riley, um, our offensive coordinator there at SC, and, and uh, Mike Sanford, the receiver coach, said, hey, you know what? You would make a pretty good coach. And uh, I figured if I was still on campus, you know, it would give me a chance to – to teach and mentor some of the guys that were coming up uh, in terms of you know uh, being a graduate assistant there at SC, and I, I took it and ran with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's where it started from. So you finished at SC. Was Rob Johnson? Rob Johnson was the quarterback, wasn't he? Yeah. Was yeah, it was Rob Johnson, and I'm trying to think who was the head coach it was pre, before Pete uh, Carroll. Well, Rob, oh, John Robinson, Johnny. It Rob. was John Robinson still. Okay. Legendary John Robinson. So you had some incredible mentors uh, yes. on the coaching side. So you get through with SC. You graduate, and you get a. You, you decide you're going to pursue coaching. So you started at SC the, the usual way as a student. What is it? A as graduate assistant? Is that graduate. where it starts?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, graduate assistant.
0: And so, talk us through the kind of time commitment and grind it is to be a coach, even as a graduate assistant at that level. When you're at the D1. You know, high profile school. What is that really like?
1: Well, it's a lot different now than it was then. I think when I was a graduate assistant, it was kind of a the the graduate part of it and the school part of it was a little bit of a cover up for wanting to be a coach. Um, since then, they've put in you know a little bit more uh, of, of a demand that says, "Hey, you have to pass a certain amount of credits, you have to do certain things in the classroom." But when I was a graduate assistant, it was like, "Hey, prove to us." that you want to be a coach. And what that means is you're willing to stay in this office from sunup to sundown and then some, you know, and do whatever it takes for us to get a win on Saturday.
0: Yeah. So it's a lot of hours is the bottom line and not a lot of money. And look, right. you've, you've built your career up. You're now at Notre Dame. Uh, and look, you were at, tell me, walk Walker, you were at Arizona State, you were at UNLV. You've, you've coached at a lot of big-time schools. So you've been in the game now 20 years, now at Notre Dame, at the ultimate of the ultimate, right? You're at Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, USC. You know, what is it like? What's the life of a coach uh, in terms of the hours and the time commitment with recruiting? And, you know, how do you balance that with being a family man as well? Because I hear, you know, the, the life of a coach is 24 seven. Right.
1: Right. Yes, it is. There's 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 a seasonal balance. You know, you, you try during the season to, to come home and, and and be a father. You try to to, uh, you know, split yourself in the two between coach and, and, and family man. But the reality is between August and January, it's about football it's about the demands of, of the the weekly grind and the opponent and the players and pre- preparation um, and that's what you've got to do you've got to sacrifice everything you know to get yourself ready to 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 battle on Saturday to make sure that your players are ready and focused and they understand the plan and and it takes a lot out of you uh, it takes a lot of sacrifice but man there's a there's a great reward also you know we've been able to I've been able and fortunate and blessed enough to win a lot of games and be around a lot of great people uh, during my ride
0: as a coach. So can you walk me through for our audience what a typical day is I know every day is different some days are film day some days are contact day some days. but what's a typical day to give someone an example of what you guys go through in terms of when you're starting your day and how it's how the calendar looks.
1: Right right. The, the the good news is it's consistent.
0: You know, it's consistent. <laughs> <laughs> you it's can all count- day,
1: every day, repeat <laughs> Oh man, it, it's very consistent You can you can just, you know, you can bank on the beginning of the week And the grind versus the, the end of the week Where you may get, you know, uh, uh, some family time And, and a chance to, to get a good night's sleep But, you know, a, a Monday and Sunday Is a little bit more of a re- review day um, I think both of those days start at about, you know, 6 a.m., uh, is when I'm going to be in the office, no later than 6.30 a.m. Uh, what is it, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? I'm not going to leave the office Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday until about 9.30, 10 o'clock. Um, Thursday, i also going to be in there early, but I am going to leave probably right after practice um, because it's a lighter day. It's kind of a review day uh, because Friday could very easily be a travel day. Uh, again, it's just a day that you summarize everything and walk through Um, So it's not as as challenging on Friday. So Thursday you get out and and you get home or you get a good meal and you uh, and then, you know, you get ready for the game and the game is on Saturday and you repeat the process on Sunday.
0: Yeah. So to travel day, let's just bottom line is it's a long day. It's a long week and it's jam packed. It's not like you're relaxing and uh, hanging out, watching Netflix. It's like one thing after the next. You know, yes. film, coaches, weight training, this field, study. This. So, walk me through now. You know, travel days are very unique for people that aren't in, aren't in the uh, sports world. But on a travel day, you got to get. You know, how many? A hundred people from from Notre Dame to let's say you got a game at SC. So what what happens? You leave on if the game's on Saturday, you travel on a Friday morning. Or what, walk me through what the travel day looks like if Notre Dame's on their way to the Coliseum to play USC and they got to fly across the country.
1: Right. What we've done traveling out west is we've left on Thursday. So
0: Thursday.
1: on Thursday, um, what we try to do is we try to do everything we can here on campus. Because of the time change, if we're traveling out west to SC or to Stanford, we're going to leave on Thursday, get all of our business done here, have our normal Thursday routine, jump on a plane, fly um, into L.A. Um, what is that? Uh, Thursday night, wake up the next day, try to get acclimated to the time zone, um, breakfast, meetings, go to a walkthrough. We've, uh, in the last couple of times that we've traveled to, to L.A., we've actually done our walkthrough at West L.A., um so we we take the buses over to west la we have our walkthrough our shakeout is what we call it Um, back on those buses come back and have lunch give those guys a couple of minutes um to to unwind and then we bring those guys back you know that friday evening for more meetings dinner uh you know and then that final that final night of rest before we wake up and play
0: yeah and then game day morning is you know, if it's the game, if it's the 3 o'clock game, I can't remember. Is it a 3 o'clock or a 7 o'clock?
1: No, it's we're th- probably going to play SC
0: at around 4 or 5 o'clock. We, so we're, what's we're, game day preparation like? You Obviously get up, breakfast, and then what happens in terms of when they need to be at the field, when are people are eating, taping, all that. Right, right.
1: Yeah, we're probably going to have our first meeting at about 9.30. I think breakfast is at 9. Uh, first meetings are at about 9 o'clock. After the, the first meetings we'll have a walkthrough um, we'll, we'll have a walkthrough, go back to our rooms, we'll get ourselves dressed, we'll come back down and have a team meal. After the team meal, we'll have a team meeting and then we'll uh, after that team meeting we'll jump on the buses and head to the stadium. Um, you know so once we head to the stadium then it's you know it's, it's another routine you know it's, it's at the stadium routine where you get yourself dressed, you get out and run around and you know, talk mess to the other guys or, you know, just kind of fine tune what's going to happen in the next couple of hours.
0: Yeah. And when you're running through a walkthrough, you're doing it at the hotel, the game morning, day of, it's like where you just go into the auditorium and to one of the ballrooms and yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
1: we're going to make sure that, you know, between a parking structure a ballroom, you know, whatever that we can do, you know, it's nice in LA in, 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 uh, in, in December, no, late November, so we may be in the parking lot. I think that's where we were the last time, you know, on the road, depending on how big the hotel is. Most likely it will be the ballroom. Um, but we'll walk through anywhere just to, awesome. to find out what we're going to do.
0: Love it. I love it. And then game day routines, I know it's a little different for everyone. You just walked us through. the the end it At the end of the day, people are getting to the stadium several hours before for stretching and, you know, taping up, and then everyone kind of has a little bit of their own personal routines, I imagine. And, you know, some people are out earlier, some people stay later. Uh, and then it's game time. And game time, you come in on halftime. What's a typical halftime schedule like in terms of adjustments, recuperation, rest? W- what does it look like? You have, what, about 40 minutes for halftime, 30 minutes?
1: <laughs> you probably got
0: about 20
1: minutes. Uh, 20 maybe. maybe I don't even know that time because it goes so fast. So, so quick. Yeah, it, it goes quick. So, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to, you know, find some space where we can meet as an offense and defensive uh, unit separately. Uh, as co- So, we're going to, you know, you can be in the shower, you can be in the coach's dressing room, locker room. Coaches and, uh, without players. Without players. Trading so notes. To, yeah, so we're going to meet separately first. We're going to start talking a little bit about. Um, what we need to do, what's gone well, what we need to repeat, what we need to change. Um, We take that message to our players. Our offensive coordinator is going to address the unit. Um, After he addresses the unit, then I'm going to take my guys and I'm going to say, okay, this is what we need to do and what what that means for us specifically. Uh, And then, you know, then coach is going to bring them up and then we're going to take the field again.
0: And that's it. So I love it. Thank you for sharing all the, the intimate details. Like for the sports freaks out there, we people really love to hear what goes on behind the scenes. So I'm going right. to flip flip it a little bit. Ask this question uh, in a different way because, like you said, uh, August through January is season. But you know your season just ended, and the day the season ends, hopefully it ends in January, and you you know you're in the playoff and you win a championship. But regardless, right. recruiting. Uh, it goes on all year long. So switch into recruiting mode and what a typical recruiting trip uh, and schedule looks like. So do you pick a region? Like today, you're going to Chicago. Next week, I'm going to West Coast. Like walk me through a typical recruiting trip. How many days is it? How many people right. you have to meet with? I'm sure it's a little different every time.
1: Right, right. Well, there's different phases of recruiting. There's spring recruiting. There's during the season recruiting. And then there is the recruiting that happens right after the season. Um, the recruiting that happens right after the season is different now than it was before because there's an early signing day. Recruiting during the season or in spring where it's a little bit more involved, is just about, you know, your area. It's about your position. And then, you know, it, it, at a place like Notre Dame, then it, it's national. I could be anywhere in the country visiting wide receivers um, I, my areas are Arizona, California, um, Nevada. So I want to identify guys in those areas, but I really want to chase the wide receivers around the country, the best wide receivers around the country, so that I can get those guys to join my room.
0: Yeah. So, as, what if there's a great wide receiver in Florida? Is that not for you to take care of? Does someone else deals with that? Because it's
1: yeah, it's it's kind of twofold. You know, the area recruiter may get me the name before I see it. Got but it. as a receiver coach, chances are I know who the best guys in Florida are. So yeah. they might be on my schedule. I could be – what's happened in spring recruiting where you're trying to identify and see guys work out, I could be in four states in four days. Got and and wow. that's the grind of recruiting really in the spring where you're identifying and watching guys work out. Um, that happens in the spring. When you're – in the, during the season when you're recruiting – you're just going to be, you know, a fixture on the sideline, so that that guy sees you and he knows that you want him. Um, and then, you like I said, with the early signing date, when I go in January after the season, um, then I'm just going really to to uh, you know put eyes on the guy one more time. But their season's already over.
0: Yeah, and when is early signing date?
1: Um, early signing date is is somewhere around December 19th. I think it was this year between the Got 16th, and 19th.
0: So it's a it's a mid-December signing date. So this is for seniors. Their first sem- end of the first semester is early signing. Can you sign as a junior or before or no?
1: No, you can't. That's what the Olympic sports do. But in in
0: football, you can only sign um, as a senior. Senior. So your senior year, December nineteenth, becomes early signing date. If people want to sign, then they can. Now, yes. Yeah. If you're watching, you know, you're recruiting in LA and you're at crenshaw dorsey narbonne game and you know, you're going to see this star all-city receiver but you're like, "Damn, that quarterback or that defensive lineman is unbelievable." Uh right. I imagine you have easy communication and tell you, "Our D-line coach, our D-line guys got to get out and see this guy." Is that yeah. you guys all communicate with each other when you see standouts like that even if it's not your position?
1: Absolutely. That's so there's a part of it that like I said, if I'm in my area, if I'm if L.A. is my area and I'm there watching a the wide receiver and I should know the players on his team, the opponents, everybody that's in that region, I Got should it. know if I'm out of my area, if I'm in Nebraska, if I'm in Florida, Louisiana, yeah. then and I go to a game and somebody jumps out, then I will communicate with that area recruiter. Hey, did you know? that they had a defensive lineman. Did you know that this quarterback, Mm -hmm. linebacker, cornerback is legit? And are we on him? Uh, Making sure you're on it. Got it. Yeah, Do we know that. Because if we don't know that, and I've seen him with my own two eyes, we need to get on him
0: or find out more. Got it. So it's like you guys have layers and layers. It's like you have your local position, but you're also just a general recruiter for your whole your whole team because it's like you don't want to miss a talent and it doesn't matter if he's a offensive alignment or dba receiver right. you just make sure that somebody's on it and somebody's right. looking at somebody right. yeah that's yeah. that's that's what i imagine that's incredible so look who um tell me some lessons you've learned in, along the way i mean you play for john robinson now you're you know your head coach is one of the best coaches to ever do it now i mean i imagine the the, uh, the lessons learned about discipline and organization and work ethic have to, be, uh, have to be incredible. But is there anything you can share in terms of things you've learned along the way?
1: Well, you mentioned, you know, I know your spectrum of people that you talk to and interview and share information with. You know, there are some specific things that are very similar. And, and, and the biggest things are, we look for are the traits. You know, what kind of traits does this person Um, possess you know we we have to make sure they understand that we have very high standards and what those are they really define what our process is when it comes to to winning and being successful every year you know those things between the traits the process and the standards you know those are universal you know those happen in the business world as well as as, you know athletics you know and, and and we really you know, search and, and, and pride ourselves on making sure we have the guys that fit best to help us achieve our biggest goals,
0: which is winning a national championship. And what so walk us through? What are some of those traits that you're looking for? So some guy's a stud receiver. He runs a 4-4. Four, four, he's got great hands. He's got the body. He's got the tools. Now you, you haven't met him yet. Now you need to go dig deeper and find out what about him personally.
1: Right. Right. Well, the things that you don't find out when you're talking to some of his coaches, you know, so you really have to try to figure these things out, you know, when you're talking to, you know, as you're talking to him. But, you know, our traits, you know, for here at Notre Dame, we talk about making sure that we are we we find guys that are really gritty, you know, guys that are that have a laser focus when it comes to attention to detail, guys that are smart. Um, We're really trying to fine tune you know, who this person is. So when we start to deliver um, what our standards are and what our process is, they've got to have these these traits uh, because we're not going to get into the playoffs with guys that are doing things substandard, you know. So I think you know, just to, to, to talk about those, that's just our grit, our smart, our attention to detail and our laser focus, those are some of, the, of our traits that we talk about. But that's, you know, there's also more when we talk about our total process. You know, it's, it's really you know a developed player
0: and do you find that some incredible talented on paper players get filtered out because they don't meet your standards for, for for work ethic and discipline and intelligence and commitment and you say you know this kid is a freak athlete but how are we going to beat Alabama if this you know if this kid doesn't have this sort of trait does that right. happen or do you guys you think absolutely. try
1: to coach it some of the best players don't fit here at Notre Dame. And, and because Notre Dame is unique, you know, it's unique on and off the field. You know, you have to be a, a, a kid that's willing to do what it takes academically uh, here at Notre Dame. You have to be a kid that understands our social dynamic here at Notre Dame. And then you have to understand the demand, you know, that it takes physically and mentally, you know, to be a great football player. You know, you can't just you, you can't be one dimensional here at, at Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, and is it, a, is it important for you, the coaching staff, to develop these young men into successful people, not just maximizing their football career, but maximizing what they're going to do beyond football for the next 60, 70 years? Is that a big thing that you guys think about and try to, try to teach?
1: Absolutely. It, it, it's tough, you know, because you do have to say no to some guys and, and no to some really talented guys. But um, you, you are trying to, to bring guys in that you know um, are going to work towards those goals. And if they can work towards those goals, if they can meet those standards, then you know that they can live with those that uh, that total process, you know, for the rest of their lives. You know, if they can if they can use sure. those traits in like we talked about in business, they can use it in family. They can develop their own til- children there at home um, with these traits.
0: Yeah, and it's such an incredible thing. This is a lot of what this show's about is, you know, these skill sets and so much of what you and I personally have learned through sports has applied to success in life, this work ethic and discipline and intelligence. And, you know, that's what you're teaching these kids. And some of these kids uh, don't have the best Uh, Opportunities and this kind of opportunity is incredible. What I always try to say to young guys, and I'm not in the game like you're in the game, but when I meet young people, young athletes, I always say, You got to understand what an opportunity it is to play at any university and have your education paid for, plus the social leverage that you have while you're an athlete on campus for those four or five or six years are higher than you'll ever be in your life. So take advantage and not just work in the classroom and work on the field and work in your conditioning, but take your social your social life serious because these the network of friends and the opportunities in school and the community surrounding you are invaluable. And, you know, I I can only imagine that's tenfold or a hundredfold at somewhere like Notre Dame, an elite, elite, elite of the elite. If you're an athlete, even if you're the fifth string kicker, I mean, the leverage and social influence you have as an athlete there – I would hope that these kids know that they need to take advantage of it and need to understand how important it is to treat people well, to be humble, and to build these relationships with their friends around them, because these could be guys that they can be partnering with and starting business with and working with, and et cetera. And I, I think that's such a huge thing that I always try to speak when I when I bump into young athletes, because I remember going to school. And I just remember seeing that, why aren't people taking more advantage of that? And, right. I, you know, I know a lot of players, uh, especially at the Notre Dames and the USC's and the Stanford, They everyone thinks they're going, you know, first round. That's just, it, once you make it to that school, you just automatically think, well, I must be good enough. And the reality is the odds are so low, you know, they, I don't know what the percentage is. Do you know what the percentage is of uh, Division One players that make it to the NFL every year? I, I don't know. It's got to be we- low.
1: 3% is about, you know, what we've we always yeah. talked
0: about. There's 97 percent of kids, and but those 97 percent of kids have the same low, uh, social influence and leverage, where they can build friendships and relationships with students and community businesses and other people to set them up for the rest of their life. And I All always right. think that that's a huge thing that I hope these college athletes get, and especially when you're a, a football athlete or basketball, you know, one of the big time sports. I'm uh, just going off on a tangent, but I, I hope that's yeah. I hope the kids, you know, really, really. J- jump on that. Uh, remind me now how many how many scholarships are there in Division One? How many are allowed full? Um, uh, is it eighty five or one hundred and five? I forget something, something like that. But it's, it's a lot of scholarships. We have eighty five on scholarships. And if you're on a full ride, you're getting room and board, so you're getting your room paid for. You're getting your academics and books paid for. You're getting all your food, and you're getting a stipend. I imagine you're getting—I forget what, yeah. you get some sort of stipend to live off. You're not—you're not, you're not going to be driving a Bentley and you know MTV cribs. But look, you're a student, and the education is worth a hundred thousand dollars a year, and you know on its own. So again, that ties into the really understanding the opportunity. And I, these kids that uh, go to these schools that that come from these backgrounds that are so so many obstacles and they get to this incredible opportunity i just you know to maximize it is is my hope and wish for all of them uh so they can set themselves up for life as they move forward so tell me a little bit what's coming next for you are we gonna get you to take over at, uh, at sc or we're gonna where are we what's next where, you oh, want to be yeah. a head coach or was, what's the next step offensive coordinator then head coach is that the progression of a of a coach yes yes you know right now
1: is the part where I, I i give you a little coach talk you know it's where you know i'm supposed to take it day to day you know i'm supposed to be humbled and appreciate all that i have um and and that's exactly you know where i am right now you know the progression is position coach coordinator head coach um but you know those things come in time and they're they're you know they don't happen for everyone it's kind of like going to the playoffs not everybody's been in the playoffs sure. so not everybody gets a chance to to be the coordinator or to be, you know, the head coach. Um, so I'm just living the life that I've been dealt. Um, it's been a great ride. And again, I, I am honestly taking it day to day and just appreciative to, for what I have. And, and I'm not looking, you know, past, you know, tomorrow because that's all I'm guaranteed is today. And I hope for tomorrow.
0: And that in itself is an incredible winner's champion attitude, just being grateful right. and appreciative for where you are. And that's something that so many successful people share. Knowing you personally for... 30 plus years and knowing mm-hmm. how smart you are and articulate and how much soul and empathy you have I know you would make a stellar head coach at any university they'd be really lucky to have you and those those men would be lucky to be mentored by you so I know at some point somebody's going to get smart and <laughs> you're going to be a head coach somewhere and I just make sure you leave me some tickets bro I want to go I want to go to some games so any other interesting uh, stories you want to tell any crazy stories you can tell that can be shared about, I don't know, games, things that have happened, uh, I don't know, any, anything entertaining that you think you could think of?
1: Uh, you know, it, it's, it's just, you know, the stories, you'd have to sit down and write them all out, you know, but there's just so <laughs> much that happens. Save it for season. your book. <laughs> yeah, you know, you save it for the book, but there's just been so much that, that, you know, a kid coming from L.A., you know, spending five years in Wisconsin, I'm here in South Bend, Indiana, um, I've seen coaches go at each other. I've seen players go at each other. I've seen <laughs> men cry. Um, you know, this, this game is very emotional. Um, you know, it's very re- rewarding and, uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of like the playoffs. You see Tom Brady and Drew Brees about to, to, you know, I think they yeah. talked about, you know, 85 years of experience, Right. you know, head to epic, head. Epic
0: know? showdown could be the last time. So I got to tune into that. Exactly. You know, and it's
1: just it's just those things that when you're in the moment, you don't think about the detail and the experience. You know, you're trying to think about, you know, what's going to happen next. I've got to get my players to play a a bigger role. I've got to get someone to emerge as as the next Heisman Trophy winner. Um, You know, so that's kind of what's on my plate.
0: And you don't really get a chance to review and enjoy the ride as much as you think. Yeah, I bet. Well, try to. Take a moment and smell the roses. You've accomplished a lot. We're proud of you. And like I said, I mean, you have so so much to offer at any university. So I, I look forward to that day. But I appreciate seeing you at Notre Dame. I was hoping you guys were going to bring home the trophy, but it right. did not happen. I was like, you know what? SC's out of it, so I might as well follow Dell right. and hope you yeah. guys. So when SC's out of it, I just default to you and see whoever you're coaching, see how far you can take it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, you got to get to the dance. Not everybody gets to the dance. There's four teams. Only you know, four. Those four. So, um, you know, we're, we're happy to be there. We just got to get better results.
0: Yeah, it'd be nice if they opened it up. I know that's pretty hard to say. You open up to 10, 12, four. It would be nice to make it somewhat like the, the basketball, cut off some of the preseason games and just like top 12, go at it or whatever it is. Of course, Wherever you cut it off, there's going to be the next four to eight teams that are pissed that they, they were right on the bubble. But, you know, I just think it's so interesting, though. I love the playoff, and it's fun to, to fun to see it play out. But, look, man, I know you probably got some kids to recruit and some kids to parent, but great seeing you, man. Love you. I hope things are well. You know, hopefully you guys have a good season good recruiting year. And, you know, thank you for finally doing this. I know we've been trying to nail you down all, all season, but, you know, you had Clemson to worry about and other things going on. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad you had me on. I knew, you know, that at once you asked, I had to do it. You know, that's that's part of the relationship. That's part of, you know, giving back and making sure that that I can put myself out there so somebody might learn something. And uh, you know, I, I'd sure. love to do it. again after we win the national championship,
0: yeah, please, from your mouth to God's ears, we'd love to do that any time. Your open invitation. I told Jay the same thing. Let's get right. you guys on. Let's win it. Let's win a championship. Yeah. All right, man. We'll have a good have a good rest of the Happy New Year to you and the family. Good to see you, and I, I appreciate you spending some time. Great seeing you, and hopefully I can see you in person soon when you're in LA if this COVID's right. over. <laughs> One
1: of these days, yeah. I'm, I'm not coming to LA right now. It's a little crazy there now. Yeah.
0: When you go on your next recruiting trip, tell me, invite me to the game. I want to come. I want to come watch it. If you're going to Dorsey oh. or Shaw or wherever you're going, I want to go. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. We'll be there together.
0: All right, man. Good to see you.
1: Great seeing you too. Thanks, I appreciate man. it. Yeah, thank you. Great job. Talk to you soon.